Hello everyone, I'm Tyler Green, and welcome to Season 1 of We Will Flourish. Conversations and stories of flourishing together in Oklahoma City. We Will Flourish is not a newsreel of current events or knowledge base of data or statistics. Rather, it is a tapestry woven from human stories and perspectives, helping us both to celebrate our successes as a city and learn from our mistakes. In season one, we're having a conversation around the theme of movement towards conciliation, framed in listening, repentance, and action, and how it pertains to systems and power dynamics. I just don't think that people that have been part of keeping parts of the city malnourished on purpose, we don't get to participate in the growth We can't. It's not possible until we go back and and deal with our relics that cause pain. So for this conversation, I want to talk about this idea of Oklahoma City and the image of a garden. So right now, we compare Oklahoma City to a garden We can see that some parts, neighborhoods, are really flourishing, while other parts are struggling for survival. What's the first step in ensuring that the soil of the garden is healthy and sustainable for every plant to flourish in the garden? So I, I really value this imagery, and in particular, Malika has really taught me a lot about Um, what that this analogy can do in terms of like my creativity towards how I see the city and moving it beyond mechanics. And I think that um, I feel at this point, I'm sure that there will be continued layered understanding and that this is an incomplete understanding. But at this point, I feel confident saying that the way that many people, um, many people that are looking towards Um, this for the first time, like they're realizing, Hey, there's parts of our city that aren't flourishing. The way we look at it is that again, there was maybe a neutral starting point. So back to the idea of power dynamics. So we look at it like, well, maybe, um, you know, there's parts of our city that, uh, need economic development and employment and better schools. And like, it's this big open field and us people who know what we're doing can go in and, um, plant some seeds and water it. And it's, going to be great. And what we actually need to look at is the field that was at one point neutral or healthy and good. And people like me went in and dug holes to pour in concrete to keep life out. And we, um, we planted weeds that dug deep and made a space where life and health and growth was impossible. And if we don't go in and dig up the places that we have state um, claim in some way by throwing concrete on the ground and saying, you don't get to thrive here without our help, then we can't authentically and honestly talk about a flourishing garden. We're going to come in and think, and we, I'm including myself in this, again, someone who has kind of grown up thinking, I have some abilities and I know what I'm doing and this world was made for me. It was overt and it was covert that I learned that. I think I'm going to come over with some seeds and throw it on the ground, but I'm hitting the concrete and I'm hitting the weeds that I, like my community, participated in. So what I'm talking about is um, the way we have 
parsed out public schools and the and redlining and sundown towns like Malika mentioned and all of the way back the um, boarding schools that made I mean destroyed families because we decided that we um, knew what something should look like or it should look like our garden and so um, I really appreciate the imagery I um, I feel like again I as someone who has benefited from systems that created a garden made for me. Um, and as someone who participated in planting weeds along the way, because I, because of my either ignorance or malice at some points when I, uh, was doing things that was apart from the dignity of other people, we don't get to talk. I don't think we get to talk about like the growth and the flourishing and being part of that until we go back and get our stuff and our, the places that we have done that. So I keep saying now, <laughs> I used to think I was a bridge builder and I actually don't care about bridges right now. I'm glad some people are bridge builders. I think I want to be a jackhammer, like in my own heart and in communities. And it's going to be loud and people are going to be mad about it. And they're going to wish you would stop jackhammering. Like they'll be like, okay, maybe we're okay with jackhammering. But if you could do that between the hours of nine and five, so it doesn't like continue to disrupt me in the evening, that's cool. I want to be able to forget about it. And like, I just don't think that people that have been part of keeping parts of the city malnourished on purpose, we don't get to participate in the growth we can't. It's not possible until we go back and, and deal with our relics that cause pain. And so um, I get nervous a little bit about conversations that jump straight to the, um, the beauty because what we're doing is riding on the resiliency and the defiant joy of people who have had concrete laid in their neighborhoods. And they get to do that because that's their defiant joy. And it is unkind and it's painful for me to like kind of attach to that and skip the painful part because they had to live through the painful part. And there are people in charge of who gets fertilizer and soil and nourishments and who gets concrete and who gets weeds and who gets protection and who gets greenhouses and who gets um, water brought in if water isn't happening naturally. Those are all not in spite of the healthy, if you will, parts of the city. That's not, well, in spite of some parts of our city doing really well, there's still some parts that aren't doing well. It's because of, because some parts of our city are doing well intentionally at the expense of others, other parts are not doing well. So we can't, we have to get rid of the idea of in spite of and say because of, and then start dealing with what's causing that flourishing garden to not happen. And speaking to myself, like jackhammering my own heart and the remembering things that I have done and participated in and said and believed is painful. I understand that, but we have to do it individually and then very much collectively. We have to do that. I was just going to feed on what Kim is saying. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I, first of all, I just want to say that imagery, I feel that I've learned so much from Kim um, in this and then just kind of felt like I've, I've totally got a picture and kind of ran with it in a little bit in writing 
on this whole concept of the city being the garden and the fact that uh, we look at plants, individualized plants, and say it's not doing well and we blame the plant. Um, instead of a true gardener, which I've gardened, is we look around and figure out why the plant isn't doing well. And the plant isn't doing well because of the soil and because of rocks and because of weeds and because we haven't put the nutrients in. And then if you look at the city, like Kim is saying, men, much of that has been intentional. Um, even with the MAPS programs, for years, the northeast side of the community has been promised resources. This time, supposedly, it's going to happen, but it never happened before. There's been time and time and time again, parts of our city have been um, promised resources and not receive resources, let alone all the displacements. You can look at the Deep Deuce community, which is now a thriving, flourishing white community, that's on purpose. It was a displaced African-American community beforehand. And we have to realize and look at the fact that certain parts of the garden flourished because certain parts of the garden had all the resources. Certain parts of the garden are not flourishing because intentional weeds, rocks, and the soil has been uh, removed of its nutrients. And so then anybody who goes in to say they're going to try to make that garden livable again without addressing post-injustice, uh, without addressing the fact that there are roots. I mean, not, not even addressing that there's injusti injustice. They're not looking at the systemic root problem of racism, of basic wealth that was taken from free labor from some communities until this was addressed. You know, like Kim said, the resiliency of the people in the community, that's great, but nobody, nobody should be allowed to align themselves with that until they walk through the painful process of what conciliation is. And that's admitting to what has been done. It's lament, it's grief, it's, it's feeling it, it's sitting in it, it's listening to marginalized people. And then it's making amends in the right time, way before, I mean, not right away, because any, anything right away isn't going to work. But it's sitting in that and listening to it and listening to people that have been marginalized for hundreds of years and, and finding out what that person's place is and how to make amends. And it's never about taking over. Amends is never about trying to cause something to flourish. It's always about digging in the soil, partnering with people to uproot systems of injustice. And that's going to be looking at redlining. That's going to be looking at gerrymandering. That's going to be looking at white flight. That's going to be looking at gentrification. That's going to be looking at segregation. That's going to be looking at why certain schools are resourced differently. And those things have to be looked at and it can't be quick and it can't be fast because it's taken hundreds of years to get here and it's not going to happen overnight. So there are no saviors in this work. There are no gardeners with capes on their back who are going to jump in and fix everything. Um, the problem, who is it? There's a quote out there, and I can't remember the man who said it, but he says, you know, the person who creates cruel policies in the morning, then in the afternoon creates charities, and by night they are receiving awards for the humanitarian work. Like that's the caped gardener showing up to try to fix the parts of the garden that aren't, aren't flourishing. Like that is not what needs to happen. The first step is acknowledging power dynamics. And the second step is looking brutally at the truth of oppression 
and injustice. So I do not know a whole lot about gardening, like at all. So, but one one thought that comes to mind for me is I remember my my mentor Lee Rowland. He was talking about a ministry that we were involved in at the time, and he he said, "Ron, you can't plant a garden in someone else's yard and ask them to take care of it." It didn't make sense to me at the time as the years would go on, like it started making complete sense. And in my ministry, one of the things that we tried to do, because we used to go in, we want to take kids to church. Well, you know, they'll meet Jesus and then their life will be happily ever after again. Uh, but when you, when you actually take the time to sit down and talk with the the families and the communities that you're trying to reach, you you find out that they might have different completely different needs than what you thought it was. After having some conversations, you find out that a lot of them might have a church home already, or a lot of them already, you know, in in our context, you know, a lot of them might already know Jesus, but they don't have transportation to and from work. Like, you know, so us taking them to church isn't going to, isn't going to fix that. So coming alongside the, the people in the communities where where they're not flourishing the the same way that other communities are sitting down and having genuine conversations with them, letting them share their truths, no matter how uncomfortable it can be. Sometimes I remember sitting down with a single mom uh, at the time and she shared about some abuses that she suffered when she was a child. And I was in over my depth, but I, I let her, I let her share. And, and in that I got a better insight into some of the, just how, how she got to where she was. So as we talk about this, I think about my boys right, right here. They, they, they want to make an apple tree. So they, they ate an apple. They took the seeds out into the backyard and they're super passionate about it. They think it's going to be really cool. And the whole time I'm like, this is not going to work. <laughs> like y'all not taking care of it. You just, you just planted something in the backyard and, and then, the, and then they had the nerve to ask me to help take care of it. And it, <laughs> and that was a, mm. a hard no. And it makes me just think about all the different initiatives that we that we go into different communities with. You know, we like there's just all these things that we think these communities need when, you know, if sometimes that community might not need more police officers to to help with the violence among teenagers. Sometimes they might just need a community center so they can have somewhere to play basketball. Uh, and so so sometimes trying my best to wrap it around to the soil, sometimes we need to just figure out what's going on in the soil and what kind of soil we're working with in order to know what it is that we can grow. Ron, I'd like to tell you that I... I've never once kept a plant alive, including the succulents that supposedly I can't kill. <laughs> so this is this is uh, my the living it out is a little life on life, but the idea of gardening has yet to be fleshed out. So if I ever make an analogy that is wrong, I understand you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Will Flourish. 
consider subscribing to our podcast and following us on Instagram at all.flourish. You can also reach out to us through our website, flourishokc.com. We will flourish when we flourish together.